With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey guys, we're back here on the Tennis.com podcast. I'm Ed McGrogan. I'm here today with Nina Pantic. And we're going to go over the Australian Open draws. This is uh, what you come here for. The, you know, Steve Tigner on the site will have the uh, very studied, very um, dot your I's, cross your T's breakdown of the draws. They are well worth reading, I must say. But this is going to be the real visceral reaction to the draws that came out just uh, yesterday. Nina and I are going to uh, take a look at both of them here. Um, Nina was on the previous podcast, if you remember, the women's preview um, of the 2015 season, also on the burning questions. So, Nina, you've had your say about the women a lot so far. So I think we'll start with the men here as it relates to the draws. Um, And, you know, at the top of the men's draw, obviously, is Mr. Djokovic, the number one, the consensus number one, the rankings say so, altogether. Um, you know, I think overall pretty nice draw for him. There is a lot, you know, we can talk about though, but you know, what did you think perhaps right away looking at what Novak has in front of him as he tries to regain the the Aussie Open crown? Actually, I think Novak is in luck. I think he's got a pretty good draw. Um, I know he lost early a few weeks ago to Karlovic, but I think that this, this draw will give him a chance to really settle in and, um, and get a few matches under his belt and get some momentum going, going into probably the quarterfinals, I would say. It's, you know, you know one thing about it that you notice right away is, um, you know, you may not even notice right away because he's not a seated player, a bolded player on your, you know, on your PDF printout that everybody has, you know, has done in the office, is Juan Martin Del Potro. He, he's here after... Uh, one his first week back in ten months, he reached the quarterfinals of Sydney. Um, you know, looked well in doing so. He beat Fabio Fanini there. Um, he went down seven six seven six in his loss to Mikhail Kukushkin. Um And you know, Del Potro is going to be probably one of the bigger stories this tournament, really, no matter how far he goes. It is, I think, per, you know, I think it's a stretch over you know best of five sets to to, you know, even project that he makes it to where Djokovic goes. And, you know, he also has a very tough little draw of his own. Right away he gets Janowitz. You know, he could get Gal Monfils in the second round right away in what would be a, you know, a fantastic match to watch. But, you know, I don't think it, I don't think the prospects look great for Del Potro necessarily. Um, and you, you look at the rest of that draw, though, um, you get Raonic, He's the you know the big seed opposite Djokovic. You know Raonic is is a player who I think it, it, we're going to be 
a lot has been talked about of him going into 2015 too. You know, what what do you see perhaps for for those two guys in particular, Rayonich? Yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll start with Bill Pusher. I'm actually really excited to have him back. I was kind of following him a lot years ago, and I've always been a pretty big fan of his game and, and his attitude, most especially. You know, he said he was really excited to, to be back with Federer and Novak and see his friends again, which I thought was really, really kind of endearing. Um, and his draw is, is pretty brutal. Um, the fact that he's back at all is inspiring. The fact that his wrist still hurts is concerning. So I don't see him really breaking through the quarters or anything. But just that he's playing is great. Um, I think this draw really plays into Raonic's game. I mean, he's going to be coming off of finals. He, he lost to Federer in a tight match. But, you know, he still played really well, and I think he's got a lot of momentum. And I think that his big serve and his athletic game will do really well in Australia. And, I mean, he's got some qualifiers in his section. He's got Donald Young, who, you know, sorry for American it's tennis. Donald Young, right. You know what you're going to yeah. get there. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think it's gonna, he's going to have any big problems. Um, you know, until he gets probably, I, I'm going to go with Monfils, but, but who knows? We'll see. Yeah. I mean, there are, I think some opportunities for a number of guys, like you say, you know, Monfils, we, Hey, he ended last year with a win over Federer, you know, regardless of Rogers condition or not there that, you know, I think, I think Gal has to be coming into this year with a pretty good frame of mind with that, with that behind him. Um, you know, Raonic, like you say, the serve is going to be, you know, especially in Australian heat, very, um, you know, will play, I think, even a bigger role to keep the points shorter for him. Um, you know, for that reason, I also, I think it's worth paying attention to to Feliciano Lopez, who's actually, you know, quietly moved his way up to number 12 in the rankings and has had nice results, actually, at the Australian in the past. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think... He should be one to, to sleep on. Um, I think perhaps, you know, if, if Raonic it doesn't sort of uh, disappoint a little bit, I think someone like Lopez could pick up that slack, for example. Um, and it, but, but overall, I do agree that, um, you know, I think for Novak, you, you can't ask for much more in the way of a first-week draw, um, week-and-a-half type draw, and, you know, and that's what I think. That's really for him what he needs to uh, to kind of work his way into form because because he could be playing someone that he knows very well in Australia, Stan Wawrinka, you know, in a semifinal. You know, w- looking at Stan in the next quarter and and what he has in front of him and his history down under. You know, what do you think of really his chances here? I think it's going to be a really really tough two weeks for Stan because a lot of pressure to defend and you know he didn't have the best second half of 2014, but his draw looks looks pretty good, and it kind of looks a little bit like last year where he faced, you know, Novak in the semis and and um, Rafa in the final. So it's a little bit of a deja vu for Stan, but I think that the first few rounds will be okay for him. I think he doesn't have, you know, anything too scary going on. Um, the other seed, obviously, is Fabio Fognini in his little section, who is volatile at best, but is playing well, so it could be a bit of a struggle. Um, Dolgopov is also in there. But he actually got injured last week and is a massive question mark going into this week. So I think it's worked out for Stan at least for the for the early rounds. I think he's looking pretty good, and I would I would I would guess that he's going to play either Kai Nishikori or David Ferrer in the in the quarterfinals. Yeah, first off, I like the the volatile at best for Fanini because you know if that's his best, I, I do wonder what hit, what him at his worst is, and we've actually seen his worst, and I think it was in Australia perhaps. So you know. 
I think he'll feature in some uh, clickbait video article at some point. That that's almost an inevitability with him sure. nowadays. He's become the uh, the guy of uh, the next generation in a sense. Um, you know, Nishikori. Obviously, you mentioned and Ferrer down at the uh, other end of the draw. There, Nishikori and Ferrer. It should be mentioned when Steve Tigner was writing up his best matches of last year. You know, one that people forgot about was Nishikori played Ferrer in Madrid and, and outlasted him. And, and he did so for a couple of matches last year. That was Ferrer's territory for his hallmark for so long. Um, Nishikori couldn't get the win over him. He changed that last year. Nishikori changed a lot of people's really opinions of him with him with his performance, not only at the Open last year, the U.S. Open, but um, across all surfaces and across, you know, across the year when he was not injured, Nishikori was, you know, really kind of making that leap, even though, you know, he didn't win a Masters, win a, didn't win a major, he came very close to doing both. You know, now Nishikori's on the corner cover of Time Magazine. I mean, he has gotten a lot, a lot of buzz this year. I think more so than almost any other young player, and that includes Dimitrov, that includes Raonic. Yeah, he's got obviously a lot of you know worldwide appeal, um, being from Japan and really being that first breakthrough player from the country um, on the men's side there. So, you know, for Nishikori, his game, I, I always still kind of feel like the jury's out when it comes to best of five on him, but he showed a lot to me last year. And, you know, I think for him, he's one of these groove players that um, you don't want to let him get into a groove because he's almost impossible to stop from the baseline. And he gets a pretty, he gets a pretty tough guy right away in Almagro, though I don't think that's going to have an issue. But, you know, to me, Nishikori is really one of the players to watch here. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. I think he's he's a strong favorite. For me, I, I'd push him to the semifinals. And uh, it's interesting because Lee Na is in Australia, obviously, as defending champion. She's not playing, but she's there. And she commented and said that, you know, she's keeping an eye out on Kai and that in Australia, the Asian fan base is pretty strong. And I think that's going to help him out and really inspire him and boost him more so than anything else. Um, and as long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to do really great. Yeah, so you give him an out over Stan Hexy for the I would, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um I mean I think seeing I think you almost can't lose from a fan's point of view if if you see sort of Djokovic versus either one of those two in a semi, you kinda get the rematch of, you know, actually the US Open rematch would be Nishikori um Djokovic. And you know, as I said a couple weeks ago, you know, to see to see the rubber match of, of Djokovic versus Vavrinka at the Aussie Open would be tremendous, and um, I think that's what a lot of people are, are looking forward to from this first half. So um, overall, you know, I think a good half for Djokovic here, but um, really could be some nice stuff beyond him too. So, um, you know, on to the second half of the men here. Um, the third quarter is actually a, a quarter very uh, loaded with Australian players. There's six of them. Uh, none of them are Nick Kyrgios, actually. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, there's also someone in this quarter, Rafael Nadal, who we should um, obviously pay pay mention to. Um, but Nadal, like Del Potro, to me, is really no guarantee either at this point. I think Rafa divides opinion, is dividing opinion more so 
I think as his career has gone on, um, I think than any other time, some people I think still, and I don't know where to go on this one. This is a tough call. I think some people are really hesitant on playing up Rafa, particularly because of the losses he has suffered within the past six months. Almost all the losses have been to players that are, you know, not of the Federer and Djokovic ilk. They're of much lower ranking players that have just been able to break through against Rafa. And uh, we saw this Michael Barrera already in Doha. But you go back to last year, you know, Chorich to end the year in Basel, Kyrgios obviously at Wimbledon. Um, you know, Rafa is not, he, these are not guarantee wins any longer with his history here. And, but some people I think also are of the opinion that when it comes to the slams, Rafa is a player that is a totally different player and really doesn't need that much to work his way into a slam. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see where that, how that plays out. He gets, you know, using right away here, which is not a, you know, not a simple first rounder by any means. But what do you think of Rafa with all that said? I think, you know, like I said, I think you go either way on this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easy to count him out just because, as you said, the past few matches have been have been pretty rough. And in general, he's been out for most of the later half of 2014. And, you know, Rafa not trading at his best is, is not, a good, not a good sign for him at all. But I think it's impossible to count him out entirely. And I think that he's, he's not stupid. I think he's been planning this comeback carefully. And I think that he, he wouldn't play, he wouldn't, he wouldn't enter a tournament, I think, without having being convinced he has some kind of shot. At least, you know, I'm thinking at least quarterfinals, semifinals. I think he's going to give a challenge to a lot of guys. I think he's not going to lose early. I think he's, I think he's ready to, to prove that he's back. Um, but there's a big, you know, big question mark and a big asterisk as to, what, as to whether or not he can actually manage. This would be his third major comeback in, you know, a few years, very few years. And it used to be the knee injury, and now, I mean, it, it's tough to call. But I, I, think, I think we can't count out at all. Yeah, no, that's a good point about Rafa, especially saying that he is planning for this event because it, I think it's been documented more so than ever before that he has changed his tune on uh, how he wants to plan his schedule, you know, plan his really his whole career. It, it's at a different point now, and I think him and his team have – I think realized and sort of just uh, come to terms with that more so than ever before. And, you know, he, you know, he still, I think is, he's played down expectations a bit. He's really always done that throughout his career, you know, some cases laughably. So, you know, he just almost never wants to admit of how great a player he is. But, um, you know, that's a, that's a fair point where, you know, if I, I don't see Rafa sort of risking, the remainder of you know the early season or this whole year to to just to enter the Aussie Open and not um, you know not really give it a strong go even though Rafa is no stranger to early round losses at Slams here so um, you know with 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 that said um, you know should Rafa bounce out at some point there's a lot of opportunity for other players here. I mentioned the Aussies. I mean I guess stranger things have happened, but you know maybe this is really the section. And not Nick Kyrgios, where you kind of have that, you know, token sort of Aussie breakthrough. You know, Tomic is here. We got to mention him. You know, he'll he'll be getting the spotlight for a little bit. Um, you know, Rafa could get Lucas Russell. Actually, it should be mentioned too. You know, his Wimbledon conquer of years ago. Burdich up on the top. He's the number seven seed. 
Uh, Golbus as well, number 11. Kevin Anderson, number 14. Gasquet, number 24. So, you know, if, if you're looking for perhaps that kind of dark horse pick for who really goes far, you know, to me this might be the area where that happens because I don't really see it emerging from the other three sections of the, um, the draw. Is there any more on the third quarter you wanted to touch upon? Yeah, I mean, this quarter is probably the most interesting one of all just because there is such a big opportunity for someone to, to break through. And, you know, Thomas Burdich is up at the top, but he's kind of been a complacent player. He hasn't really made any strong moves. So I think someone, even someone like Victor Troitsky, who's, who's back and he's in the finals in Sydney this week. And, I mean, I'm, I think he's got a good shot of at least making a couple rounds and um, possibly being the surprise dark horse. Tomich, I'm not so sure about. Just because there's been so much hype around him for so many years, it's hard. It's hard to see what he's going to do, and he's also very unpredictable. Um, but this is a good shot for someone like Gulbis as well, who, who's made his Grand Slam semifinal last year, and I think that he's in position to go far in this quarter, especially. Yeah, uh, Tomich has, has jilted us many, many times. It is tough to put uh, stock in him. That that is without a doubt for sure. Troitsky, nice point on him too with. Uh, with his really, you know, resurgent comeback here, he'll he'll quickly be up the rankings once again as he is admitted into more tour events this year. Um, you know, coming off a long suspension before that. Um, the last quarter, you know, quite a bit to talk about here. Obviously, this is where Roger Federer is, Andy Murray is. Uh, Dimitrov is as well. Kyrgios, as we mentioned, is here unseated. Um, Many, many possibilities, I think, can emerge from, from this fourth quarter of the draw here. Um, you know, for I, I think I'll actually start with Kyrgios since I've given him a lot of a time here and that I think personally his time at this Aussie Open is going to be short, unfortunately. This is really the event where you'll, you want to see him really, I think, continue on what he did last year. He got so much publicity last year and obviously deservedly so and there's gonna be a ton of hype for him especially locally this year I just don't see it happening with him because he hasn't played a lot since um really the U.S. Open last year um he pulled he just kind of took the last half of the year or last uh, few months of the year called it early season has actually had a little bit of injury issue coming into this tournament the big issue with him is getting I think Ivo Karlovic pretty much right away, assuming they both win their first rounders. Karlovic still at 36, practically almost double Kyrgios's age. But Karlovic just beat Djokovic, kind of, you would say, in form, obviously. Um, A huge serve like that is terrible anywhere to face, but especially in Australia. You know, just, it's going to, I just think it's too much for Kyrgios to ask here. And, you know, to... Maybe I'll just start with that with you is, you know, how did Nick Kyrgios, because this is one question we didn't ask about really in the um, burning question series is, you know, what do you think of Nick Kyrgios perhaps in 2015 overall and maybe in this tournament? I think the hype last year may have been a little bit too much. Um, he hasn't had as as great results, obviously, in the second half of the year, and he, you know, he called it quits very early. I think I think he's going to go out early, and I think the fact that he's playing Karlovich or you know could possibly face Karlovich is a really tough task, especially early on. And there's going to be a lot of attention, and he's very very young, and he seems to be very 
you know, up and down. And I, I think it's going to be a very tough year for him. And I think it's lucky that he's very young because he has time to learn from this and to have a second year that might not be as good as, you know, last year. But luckily there's time in his favor. And I think eventually he'll be a strong player, but this year might not be, might, might not be as smooth sailing. Yeah. I, I think this is a tough, uh, tough little place to overcome here. You know, even if he gets by, you know, that little first couple rounds, we're talking about some of the best players in the game in his section. Um, Dimitrov gets Dustin Braun right away. That's great theater. That's the match. You know, everybody will, will pencil him as the, you know, they're really the must-see first-rounder for, um, you know, for points and such like that. Um, you know, to me, I'm almost as curious to see how Andy Murray performs as I am about Roger. Um, we've seen a lot of Roger, obviously, the last year. He won the most matches. He played the farthest into the year as any player with the Davis Cup final. Um, Roger, I'm not so concerned about, you know, I think the Roger train kind of keeps rolling. For I think there's really no reason not to say that's the case after such a strong ending to last year. And obviously his wins, his win in Brisbane, I think with that performance, um, you know, which also included his 1,000th match win, I think that puts to bed a little of the back concerns we're going to see how that plays out over best of five set over two weeks here. But Federer doesn't really concern me as much as Murray because, you know, Murray, I think, is turning a little bit of a new leaf here. He made mention or it was made mention that, you know, I think finally as the year turned for, to 2015, you know, so much of the talk of him from what he accomplished really back in 2013 at Wimbledon to get that British victory there um, is behind him. He, you know, wh whatever you want to make of it, he actually just switched clothing deals to Under Armour. I, I think really this is kind of a new stage of Murray's career, perhaps really the, the, the second half of his career. He, um, believe is 27 now. And, you know, where Murray goes from here, I think is another point of division. He's number six now. He'll be a year removed from surgery. But, you know, do you think we've seen perhaps the best of Andy Murray or if we or, you know, is the best to come for him is one other way to put it. Yeah, I think I think it's tough, tough to call, but I think that Murray might be, um, you know, it's, it's, it's premature, but he might be on his way out. It's not not really out, per se, but I mean, I wouldn't consider him a strong contender here. I think I think someone like Dimitrov is more likely to knock him out. Um, I think with Murray, it's more of a mental game, if anything. You know, he's been injured, yes, but it's always been kind of in his head. And I think since winning Wimbledon, it's been tough for him to back it up. And I think that coming into a tournament like this in Australia and and having having young players around him like Dimitrov, and, you know, his his first few rounds, I think, will be okay. But, you know, he's got Martin Klazan even, who's also kind of a big hitter. And I think that it's going to be tough for Murray to set, to set the stage early. But, you know, who knows? Like, we'll see the latter half of the year. We'll see if he sticks around. We'll see if he sticks with his coach. I think that's kind of the most interesting story there with Murray is, is his coaching situation with Moresmo. But, I mean, I'm hopeful that he, he puts it together, but I think it's more likely that someone younger is going gonna, is gonna to jump on him. Yeah, the, uh, the Dimitrov-Murray match, if that happens, is a very telling match from you know kind of the tennis narrative point of view where it is really the older guard versus the newer guard here and will and I think that will tell a lot of both players really you know I think both have very high expectations in 2015 and I think the result of that's pretty um 
you know, a match I think that I hope that happens for that very reason there. So, um, you know, who do you like to, um, do you like Djokovic to win this tournament or do you like someone else? Um, I think it's, I think it's, yeah, I think it's in Novak's hands to win it. I think he's got the best shot. Um, but I think there's hope for someone like Kai, you know, I think there's still, there's still a shot that someone new will take this title. You know, last year we had Stan. I think, I think this could be Kai's turn, but I would say the winner of that, that half is going to take it. He's going to take it. Yeah. It's, um, you know, as you say, with Wawrinka winning last year, it would perhaps be appropriate if we do see another slam winner, you know, that another first time slam winner, I should say, that it comes from the Australian Open. Um, so we'll see. This is this is a, a nice turn, a nice sort of reset, but on the men's season overall, and we'll see where it goes here coming right up. Um, at that point, or where we are now, let's let's switch to the women's event here, and you know, one of the burning questions that we we touched on actually was was. Do you think the women will actually be more entertaining than the men at the Australian Open? And I, I posed that question originally because, you know, 2014, I think, was a very, very strong year for the WTA on the whole. I thought we had, you know, a lot of new, fresh storylines um, and not just players, you know, percolating down, you know, in the rankings, even though there is a lot of young, new talent in the WTA, you had talent that really made their mark at the top with Bouchard, Simona Halep, um, and you also see you also saw sort of little career renaissances from players like Anna Ivanovic, Karen Wozniacki, um, and really the kind of still you know the Serena story is there too, and that's still a story that I think remains kind of as engaging as ever. The chase. You know, for history, it's still too early to kind of put the the thought that, you know, Serena could still end up with the most major singles titles of all time. It's going to be a stretch. I don't think it's, I don't think even one or two more titles is necessarily a given. I think, I think that we still are kind of waiting for the shoe to drop on, on sort of a little bit of a lull from Serena. Um, especially with what we saw happen last year in the first three slams. So overall, before we get into this draw, the women's draw, you know, kind of where do you think the women are kind of overall, and you know, how much are you looking forward to this event in particular? I think I think it's really exciting this year because there's so many different storylines, like you said. There's so many variables going on. There's so many different faces that could potentially make a breakthrough. And I think that's what, in some ways, makes the women's draw more exciting than the men's. I mean, it's impossible to compare the two, really entertainment wise I mean it's just kind of a different game but I think the fact that you know the women have so many different new faces is what makes it the most exciting and there's so many great opportunities in this draw and I'm really excited you know to see especially someone like Wozniacki and Azarenka that are they're you know they've got good stories and everyone's excited and rooting for them and I think even someone like Ivanovich who's back at the top you know there's no there's no reason not to be excited about this tournament and the way these matchups have come up get together have been exciting um, obviously, Bouchard is going to be in the spotlight, and it's going to be interesting, probably the most interesting, to see how she handles it all. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, cover girl recently of our magazine for, I think, for that very reason. Um, you know, I'll let you dig into maybe where, maybe in the first quarter, where you want to start with that, because um, the first quarter of this women's draw, there is a lot going on here. Um, and I, I think I'll kind of let you... Uh, 
begin, you know, what is the most interesting aspect of it all? There's there's one match that screams out right away in a first rounder, but mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot beyond that too. Right. I mean, the first rounder the, that's going to be the most watched probably will be Sloan Stevens and Azarenka. Um, I would go with Azarenka on that one just because Stevens has been so up and down, and she's just been mostly down lately. And I think that she may have the talent, but it's hard to get the hard work out of her. And in, in matches, she tends to be down and out. And I think Azarenka is more than eager to jump all over her. You know, she lost a tough match last week, but that's okay. You know, she's just coming back. And I've got faith in Azarenka, you know, making some some big moves down under. Um, also, the funniest thing about this section is probably the fact that Alizé Cornet is in it. And that's the one person starting that seems to be losing to over and over again, lost to her three times last year. And I think right. it's kind of kind of a little twist of fate that they're back together. And Serena's going to want to make a big move and prove that she, she can handle the Grand Slams like last year she could not. Well, other than the U.S. Open. I mean, it's, it's always Serena's Grand Slam to lose. That hasn't changed. But I think that the draw gives a lot of opportunity to other players to, to take over, you know, especially someone like Cornet, who, who has beaten her. And then the, we got Wozniacki, you know, she could face Azarenka, which would be an amazing match to watch. Yeah, there. I mean, it's almost tough to kind of pick where to begin here because you mentioned, um, you know, we mentioned Serena, and I think that, uh, you know, one player who I almost wouldn't be that surprised if she beats Serena again is even more so than Cornet is Muguruza, who is the 24 seed now. She beat Serena at the French Open last year. Um, they could meet up in the fourth round, I believe. And, you know, that's a matchup I think I would love to see to kind of you know, kind of take stock of both women where they're at now, kind of see, you know, the, I think the continued ascent of Muguruza, just such a, you know, such a beautiful shot maker. I think along the lines, a little bit of Ivanovich when her game is on, it's, it's breathtaking to watch. And I, and I'm, I'm sure just devastating to play against. So, um, you know, to see that would be fantastic. You know, Serena actually could get a really fun second rounder as well against Zvonareva. If both those two win their first rounders, um, that is kind of one, a blast from the past match that I would love to, um, to also see, um, we look at the this quarter a little bit more too. Um, you know, we have uh, the ageless Kimiko Date Crumb still there. We also have, um, as you mentioned, the winner of Sloan and Vika, which is this is the third straight Aussie Open where they would meet. Uh, we'll get the winner of Wozniacki and Taylor Townsend, which is um, a match that I'm sure is going to be shown here in the states on ESPN two. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't expect Wozniak to have much trouble with that, but that'll be um, a nice little um, first-rounder to watch, too. Um, this is a really, really strong quarter. You can almost make a mini-tournament of it all together, and um, and I, I do like what we're getting into right away here in the women's Yeah, crowd. we can't forget that Sibokova is in here as well, who made the finals last year, and, you know, she's right in the mix as well. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's a very good point. I almost... Uh, really just forgot about her in a way. And you're right, a finalist last year, number 11. Um, this is a super, super strong court of the draw. Um, looking forward to it a lot there. Um, I think perhaps that balances out with the second quarter a little a little mm-hmm. weaker maybe in terms of the um, the depth, but you do get um, Kvitova here, who, um, who I actually, and I'll still stick with this, said – will finish this year as the number one ranked player in the world. I think I do like what Kvitova has been 
how she's been acting, how she's been playing, especially um, in 2014. It was, you know, we, she's won Wimbledon twice, won it last year. Plenty of times where you kind of wonder just like, why is why are we not getting that kind of form on other surfaces? Well, grass is going to be her best surface, of course, with that sliding lefty serve. Obviously a bullet serve no matter where, but... You know, she's a former Wimbledon semi, former semifinalist here in Melbourne as well. I just think that finally this is the year that she puts it together. And I think that combined with, um, you know, I think a little bit of uncertainty within the top 10. You know, there's a lot of players I think you can make cases for as, as you know, kind of really this year's really big story. Um, but I don't think anyone is as much of perhaps a guarantee that he'll that she'll be there at the end as you know maybe a Novak Djokovic on the men's side. And I think for that reason, I'm just really kind of bullish on Kvitova this year and at this tournament as well. You know, I, I think I think she's going to um, you know really start this year with the kind of performance that will perhaps kind of raise those questions of you know maybe this is Kvitova's time to to get that number one ranking that she couldn't get at the Australian Open a couple of years ago. From that point on, it just kind of went down for her. Yeah, I mean, Kvitova's a great pick for the year, for this tournament in general. I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's um, she'll get, um, you know, perhaps Vekic in second round. Perhaps Madison Keys, too, um, in a, you know, obviously um, sort of a radar gun third round match. It could be fantastic stuff there. Um Speaking of keys, in this quarter, there's a lot of Americans, actually. Um, you know, you have keys, Coco Vandaway, uh, Vivara Levchenko, who actually just passed keys to become the third-ranked American. Um, Madison Brengel, Shelby Rogers, someone you know as well, Arena Falcone. Um, you, know, you know Falcone very well. I was actually hoping you could perhaps share a little bit of her journey, how she actually got to this very tournament. We were talking about it, I think it was last year with the with the Aussie Wild Card. Because I just like to get a little bit of your insight as to you know some of these younger players, the Americans who found their way down here. Yeah, I mean, Arena's story is very interesting because she won the Wild Card by playing in uh, in, in pro tournaments in in America. You know, she won fifty thousands, and she had to play a couple tournaments in a row and 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 beat out other Americans to get that wild card. And it was very, very close between her and a young American, Jennifer Brady. And it actually came down to the very, very last tournament, the very finals, to see who would end up with the most points. And and it was very dramatic. And someone like Irina, who's who's sitting around one hundred, it's very nerve wracking because you don't know if you're going to play qualifying, you don't know if you're going to make the cutoff of the main draw. How do you plan a trip to Australia based on that? And I think I think for someone, same with you know Madison Brengel, who's been playing really well lately. She's in the finals right now of an event, and uh, I think that someone like her, this could be a tournament really great for Madison. And I'm hoping that Irina gets through, and I'm hoping that you know some of the, there's there's Lauren Davis in here, there's you know Lipchenko, there's there's a lot of Americans that have the potential to make to make some moves, and I'm hoping that they do. But but we'll see. You know, you brought up a sort of a fact that has been talked about a lot recently, um, it's the financial factor in pro tennis, and in particular, the financial um, you know, realities of players that are not close to the top 10, that are really just kind of playing um, 
you know, playing really for their for their livelihood week to yeah. week almost. So, and you know, there's and and you know this from you know, not necessarily pro experience, of course, but really just being involved with the sport at close to its highest levels and knowing some of these players, you know, is there something you can shed perhaps some light on, on really, I think the financial sort of realities of pro tennis for players like Falcone, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's no secret that these players pretty much bank on the grand slams to, to pull in their entire financial, you know, their, their income for the entire year is based on the grand slams. And when you're pulling in over $30,000 for a first round match at a grand slam, that's, it's a good chunk of change, and you're going to a $50,000 tournament in Louisiana, and you're making maybe a couple $5,000. It's a big difference, and a lot of these players will invest a lot of time and a lot of money to just try and make the main draws of these tournaments just so they can finance their entire year. And it's a huge difference between somebody ranked 100 and somebody ranked even top 50, and you're not, you're not really starving or anything, but you're, you're struggling, and every penny is, is being counted, and every moment is really, really matters, and I think that you know, I'm hoping that these players can break through through the top 100 and get up in there. But it, a lot of the times they sit around 100 for years and years and years, and it's just kind of a very seesaw financial burden every year. Yeah, it, it's, it seems to me as a very um, tough sort of hill to get over is to get from that, that step to really the next level where you're really sort of you know, just comfortable kind of playing mm-hmm. um, week to week there. But that's, that's good insight there about, you know, really the, the, uh, that side of the game and a, a side of the game that's been reported on a lot recently. Um, let's move to the, the second half of the women's draw here and into the, uh, the third quarter here. Um, and, you know, the third quarter with the, the spectacularly named Ocean Doden from France. Steve will no doubt point that out in his preview of the women's. This is, it, he always he always finds those great names there. So, anyways, I don't expect her to go far, so we're going to mention her now. And mm-hmm. who we might expect to go far? Ivanovic, Simona Halep. They're both in this quarter of the draw, among others. So, um, why don't you take me through this quarter and what you see? Um, you know, either way coming out of here. Yeah, I mean, Ivanovic is, is probably the favorite to make it through to the quarters, but somebody like Belinda Bencic, who had a great run at the U.S. Open, she's incredibly young. I think she's still just seventeen. She's got a little bit of Serbian background in her as well, which is which is just nice to see that storyline. But I think that she's got a good shot of making a couple of rounds, possibly knocking out Ivanovic. I mean, you never know what's going to happen, but I think she she definitely pops out. Even someone like Pliskova, who's 22, had made a final last week. She lost to to Kvitova. I think she could have a good run. And then obviously Makarova, who always a bit of an underdog, even though she's Season number ten. Yeah, number ten now, very high for yeah. her. Yeah, she's 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 really poised to make to make big moves as well. So I think it's going to be a very tough draw for Ivanovic. I still kind of put her as a favorite, but I think that to make the quarterfinals at least. Um, and then obviously we've got Lasicki, who's dangerous on any surface, but especially hard courts. You know, most especially grass courts, of course. But but I think if she can find her range, she's she's dangerous. But she's playing Mladenovic first round, who's also very very good and very dangerous. Um, my favorite would be Halep, just because she's the steadiest. She's she's the most stable, and I think that she's got a good shot to make the quarterfinals as well. Yeah, for Halep, um, you know, coming off a uh, a tune-up title of her own actually in um, in Shenzhen, I believe, and um, you know, 
I think I think as we've seen in other majors, the players that uh, you know you you can kind of you can kind of look at form from a year ago, and that's strong for help. But you can also really point to very recent form, and and for her to start the year with a title right away, um, you gotta really you gotta like what that says about her potentially in this event. I can see her really running through the first few rounds of this with almost no issue whatsoever. Um, the Lizicki match is interesting. I've kind of, I've kind of banked on Lizicki a lot in my in my time here at the site. So I'm 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 not ex- I, I will always temper expectations with her. Sometimes she's really kind of um, proven to be a really prudent choice. But I I think Halep really takes I think she really takes this section you know by by the throat a little bit, I, and I think that I think that includes Ivanovich as well. I, I'm really sensing that, you know, sort of like Nishikori on the men's side, that that we really see 2015 as that, um, you know, sort of yet another step forward for for Halep, who who really did so well coming off of 2013, where she won a bunch of you know minor titles. You know, last year she really takes it to another gear at the slams and the bigger events. And, you know, this year is the, the opportunity is there for her with, you know, the highest, you know, such a high ranking. She's going to have a great placement in these events. And I think she got a great quarter here to, uh, to really show that and to prove that. So I think, you know, Halep, for that reason, I think uh, I do like her shot here in this, uh, this quarter of the draw. Um, the last quarter, I think, a li- you know, a little deeper here. I think a lot deeper, actually, in the third quarter. Um, Bouchard at seven, Sharapova at two. Um, others we want to mention here: Kerber at nine, Safarova at sixteen. Um, Suarez Navarro, kind of like the Grand Slam player that no one ever wants to face at seventeen. Cool match with Kuznetsova and Caroline Garcia. Kuznetsova still seated at twenty-seven. Always, you know, never gets off that seated line. It seems like. Um, this is a pretty pretty compelling quarter to me. I think um, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple people, a couple ladies emerge from here. Um, Bouchard and Sharapova, obviously the top picks here. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on this one here? Because I think uh, yeah, I should even mention you know Sharapova could get Cersei early. I think that's a great match too. I mean, uh, what do you think of this fourth quarter here? Yeah, I mean, obviously Bouchard is the biggest story here. I think everyone's going to be watching her. It's going to be a lot of pressure. And I think Kuznetova actually has a winning record against Jeannie. All last year she beat her twice. And I think that that was a potential, you know, third-round matchup. It's going to be very, very hard for Jeannie to get through that if she hasn't ever beaten her. Um, Somebody like Kirstea, she's ranked around 99 right now, so I think she's not exactly in her best form. I see Sharapova, you know, breezing through the first few rounds without any any trouble at all. I actually picked Sharapova to make the semifinals out of this because I think that her draw is, is favoring her, and I think that even though she might face Bouchard or Kuznetsova, I think she's just she's just on her game right now. She won a title this year. She's looking good. Safarova hopefully, you know, gets through to the round of 16 because she's a player with, with just, she's got such a big game, and she just needs to, to figure it out, and, and I think the time is now for her. I think this is her year to really get into the top ten. Um, other names that stand out, there's a few Americans in here, Mikhail, and we'll see how she does, but I think it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of effort because it's going to be really hot, and a lot of these players have problems with fitness and have problems getting through, and I think that it'll be fun to watch 
the early rounds, but I think especially later on with Sharapova and see, to see how far she gets. Yeah, and um, and I think for Sharapova, the one thing you could say, of, you know, speaking of later rounds, is she has always been there on the fitness side of things. Now, you know, she's one that keeps deceiving. I think you know, never like a most fleet of foot player, you would say, but but never really seems to be wilting under the uh, the grind of a match. And you know, that's you know, I think the name of the game of the Australian Open, especially, is kind of survival in a sense, and. Um, if there's anybody who kind of embodies that, it's Sharapova, and that will be, you know, presuming if if you want to put Bouchard and her, you know, down to the end there, um, I think that's going to be still tough for Bouchard to overcome. Sharapova is someone that I think a lot of us have been wondering, you know, kind of where she, you know, kind of when that the uh, the turning point of her career the other way is and you know she really is is still improving in a sense in, in many ways and and I think it's going to be tough to keep Sharapova out of um you know out of the discussion for this title and uh and 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 I think it's not I, I think even for someone like Halep who may meet her down the road if we if you think you know chalk prevails here I think Sharapova is really a tough out here and um you know a couple of years ago, Sharapova and Kvitova met in the Aussie Open semis. That was the year that I was, I'm referring to when um, Kvitova could have become number one in the world if she, I believe, won the tournament or made the final. Um, she lost a three-setter to Sharapova. And I think, to me, if I want to pick a final, I think that will be it. And I will pick uh, Kvitova to win this event for... Uh, for that reason, I'll go with Djokovic on the men's side since I didn't mention it. Um, and I'll give the last word to you. You know, who is your women's champion here? Who do you think uh, takes it from that side? Yeah, I mean, Kudova is a great pick for the women. I think that I'm hoping to see Sharapova play Halep in the semifinals because it'd be a great rematch of the French Open. That was a great final. I'm Best hoping Halep, yeah. yeah, I'm hoping Halep comes out on top, though. I'm hoping Halep wins the title. But Serena is still kind of a big factor, and I think she'll either embrace the challenge of her very, very challenging quarter, or she'll she'll fall apart again. We'll see. But I'm I'm going to go with Halep. Halep, all right. Halep quarter, yeah. Very nice. Um, yeah. Well, we will we will follow it all from start to finish on the site on tennis.com. More on the podcast as well. I'll be bringing Nina in once again throughout the event. Steve as well. We'll have some discussion on how things have progressed at the Australian Open with, among other various uh, things you'll need to be uh, focusing in on throughout the, uh, the two weeks here. You know, it's, it's going to be on late at night, so when you get up in the morning, you should head to us and we'll uh, catch up on everything you need to know. Um, Nina, thanks again for joining. We'll talk later on this fortnight. And I'm Ed McGrogan once again for the Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.